And I shoot my shot, it's the whole wild way it's going in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a fuck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand all like, woo! Bitch, you were with me shooting in the gym? Long nights, I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, Action. James Harden with the range on me, nigga, way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I travel with a cocaine search. And you can live through anything if magic made it. What up, my fellow Knicks fans? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease, and don't panic quite yet. Now, of course, the NBA offseason is here. Checks are clearing. Woj's Twitter account was looking like he was announcing lottery winners. Things were looking crazy, as there are a lot of dynamics we got to break down here. We also got to take a look at the draft. It seems like the play-in has had an effect on how a lot of things are getting valued now, especially draft picks. We're also going to take a look at this year's Summer League very interesting with a lot of the picks that will be playing even kevin knox will be returning to the summer league even though he was a 2018 draft pick and we also have some euro stashes to check out that will be playing in summer league but before i get to my quick hits i want you guys to check out in the description below the weekly gems i know you guys have a lot of different hobbies and interests there's cookbooks things on business fashion music weekly playlists workout exercises Everything you could download straight into your phone. So definitely tap in and check it out. So surprisingly, King Julius and the Knicks came to an agreement for a four-year, $117 million extension. At first, I want to say congratulations to Julius Randle. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Well-deserved, well-deserved. But, you know, I want to say at the same time, this is kind of a sticky situation. It's kind of tricky here because Randle, clearly, he could have bet on himself and possibly read up next year and got over $80 million on top of what he earned this offseason. And the reason why I structured like this is because when he was on the Lakers, remember, after his fourth year, that's when LeBron James came in, Magic Johnson was a GM, they sort of let him walk. And then when he went to the Pelicans, he basically became eliminated for being eligible for Supermax after his seventh year. So in a way, the play was looking like for him to bet on himself for another year, kind of produces similar outputs as this past season, and then he could re-up for that 220. But there's a flip side to this. Now, for those of you watching the video version, as you can see here, Julius Randle's brand new contract does not start until the 2022 to 23 season. And then after that, it's four years with a player option for 2025-2026 season. This is the kicker right here. In 2025, the NBA should have a brand new TV deal by then. And more than likely, the cap is going to go up. So I'm pretty sure with Randall's player option, this is where he's going to try to make up for that money that he possibly could earn next year on the back end and try to re-up in 2025 for another max or near max extension, which either way, it's going to be a higher salary. Now, here's another dynamic that comes to play of why Julius possibly signed this extension now versus waiting for next year. 
first of all, he doesn't want to risk injury. As we can see how it's playing out for Victor Oladipo, it looks like he's going to lose out on ever earning max dollars. And second of all, we got to look at the fact that this offseason, the Knicks acquired a lot of key pieces, especially on the offensive end with Kimba Walker and Evan Fonier. Now, at the end of the day, we got to ask ourselves, what are the odds that Randall's going to put up 24 points per game, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and have a high usage while at the same time shooting 41% from three? See, now the Knicks have more playmakers. So it's not pretty much set up for Randall to take over like he used to. He has more guys that can take the load off his shoulders. So the likeliness of him having the same output as last season is highly unlikely. And that's going to be the main reason to justify him getting that 220 super max next season. So that's probably something they took into consideration. I'm also going to throw this out there because last season was a very unique year, especially coming off the bubble. And offensively, a lot of NBA teams were breaking records, man. It's just NBA offensive statistics were at an all-time high last year. And I'm wondering if the Randall camp took that into consideration also. But at the end of the day, this is a good deal for the Knicks, especially locking Randall at that price. If he can continue somewhere near his statistical output from last season. And for Randall, he's pretty much locked into his money. And he has the option of opting out just in time for when that TV revenue is going to take a jump. And this NBA, I tell you, boy... It's all about luck, preparation, and great timing. And if Randall could live up to his contract, this should be a beautiful thing for all parties involved, especially long-term. Last season, as the Knicks made a trade for Derrick Rose, and then the ball started to get it rolling a little bit more, and we've seen that Randall was very consistent even in big games, and RJ making strides, I kept emphasizing the Knicks are beginning to enter a sweet spot in which we were no longer the team that's hoping on a lottery pick. We sort of had to begin to cultivate a winning atmosphere around RJ and Randall, especially for Randall as he's starting his twilight years and RJ entering year three. We want to keep him in a winning environment, something that we haven't done for a lot of our younger players throughout the years. They got accustomed to losing a little bit too early and too quickly. And when you combine that circumstance with us playing in the Atlantic Division, which is probably the most toughest division in the NBA, along with the Pacific division, it begins to unravel the way Leon Rose and the Knicks front office approached the 2021 free agency. They really went aggressive into locking guys in, something we haven't seen in a while. We've been on a bunch of one-year deals for so many years, which we see long-term that does not work because it's hard to build chemistry that way. And finally, finally, the Knicks have started locking guys in while at the same time still maintaining their flexibility now. But very aggressively, they addressed certain issues that the team had as far as shooting by going after Evan Fonier. Now I'm hoping Fonier is definitely more healthier than he was last season, as in the beginning with the Celtics, kind of had some issues. I don't know if he was getting accustomed to their system, but he does have the skill set to be a guy that looks for his own shot, that can create, and can hit consistent jumpers. The Knicks also brought back some key guys from last year, Derrick Rose, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, and Taj Gibson, especially Taj on that one year. It was great to see because he did come in as a filler, almost like the modern-day Kirk Thomas, putting in solid minutes for the Knicks. But just going back to some of the other role players that they locked in for three years with a team option at the end, 
The Knicks giving them more years on their contract makes sense because I'm sick and tired of hearing about guys saying that they don't know what they're going to do, what are the plans. They don't feel really committed to the team because they know they're not going to be here next year. So they're really playing for their next contract. We had a lot of issues with guys like that, especially throughout the Steve Mill years. So it's nice to see that guys are now locked in and they can finally approach the seasonal campaigns on how I'm going to impact this team instead of how I'm going to get my shit off so I can get my next contract. But make no mistake about it, spending money this offseason does pay dividends. Not only makes the current team better, it also gives us flexibility in case a superstar is disgruntled somewhere else and allows us to make a trade. We have a lot of players that take up salaries that we could easily salary match and make a trade for. We got Evan Fonier. He averaged about 20 million a year. Derek Rose is about 14. Alec Burks is about 10. Same thing for Nerlens Noel. Now we actually have players outside of Randall that we can trade and perhaps match salaries with. And not only on top of that, we have assets. We have a future Hornets first round pick. As we all know, that team is highly likely to end up back in the lottery. We have the Dallas first round pick and our own. So we do have assets to trade. Now, best believe stars nowadays, when they get disgruntled, they force their way out. As we may see this end up playing out with Damian Lillard, as I believe after the Olympics are over, he will request a trade. Now we could be a player in that or maybe not, but this is an example of one of these scenarios that possibly could play out. And right now we're sort of lining things up to be in position to make a major play. This is pretty much the name of the game right now. And at the same time, while we're positioning ourselves in that way, we're also staying competitive in the ever-changing Eastern Conference as we see teams like Miami build their roster up. They're going to definitely be competing next year at a high level. And the same thing for the Chicago Bulls. So you could pretty much throw those teams along with Brooklyn, Philly, the Bucks, and the Hawks as some of the main teams that's going to be in the mix in that Eastern Conference. And I would normally put the Celtics in that mix, but in my estimation, I believe that the Knicks had made a hurdle over the Celtics this offseason by taking some of their front court. We got Kimber Walker on the low end. We got him for about eight to nine million. And then we took Evan Fonier from them. So the Celtics, they're pretty much in a rebuilding mode. And it's been like that the last two to three years about. But it's almost like they don't even know it. But they're trying to convince everyone, especially the big Boston media, which is most of the NBA media, trying to convince us that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is going to take this team to the next level right now. As far as Kimber Walker, he was pretty much the ace card that Leon Rose and World Wide West was holding in their back pocket. They probably were made aware of a possible buyout and the Knicks were leaving enough cap space so that can play into his negotiation for the buyout so the Knicks can make up the difference. But getting Kimber Walker on the low end was a great play for the Knicks. Now Kimber Walker doesn't have the pressure of playing like a max player. He's definitely going to have the freedom to just play his game and not deal with that pressure. The only thing Knicks fans are left wondering is what exactly are we getting out of Kimber Walker? Because last year he's only played about 43 games. And in, in 2019, 2020, we've seen him play about 56 games. And we sort of seen him break down in the bubble. His body just wasn't right. That left knee was a major issue. So we're just wondering what exactly are we expecting out of Kimball Walker? The reason why I'm asking this question is because we all know the OKC Thunder 
that team is pretty cheap as far as the ownership and we seen with cp3 they took their sweet time with them they were trying to figure him out they weren't trying to buy him out they were trying to trade him get some assets for him and they didn't utilize the same type of tactic with kimball walker once they got him they negotiated a buyout which he had two years left on his deal and i don't remember the last time okc ever did a buyout like that so it leaves me wondering did they see something really bad on his current medical report because he did have two years 73 million dollars left on that deal and once again the okc ownership does not like spending money like that especially throwing money away so when you see them do a buyout like that especially after a season in which nobody sold any tickets it kind of raises certain antennas around your head and it definitely leaves you wondering but with okc walker was not going to live up to 36 million dollars per year his output was not going to live up to that dollar amount but with the knicks eight to nine million dollars it may be worth the risk especially at guard we have a lot of guards on the roster including guys that just got drafted so there's a lot of ways we could mask kimball walker especially defensively because he will be a liability on that end of the floor but at his price point he will be a good bargain because at the end of the day he could do pick and rolls with randall he's pretty good at spot up threes so he could be set up for that and he could also take the pressure off of rj for trying to be that scorer so kimball walker could not only create for others he could score on his own so that'll alleviate some pressure off of rj now for those of you watching the video version this is a depth chart heading into summer league and as you can see at guard we have good depth right here we have kimball walker derrick rose quickly luca vendoza miles mcbride we have our euro stash pick ruckus i'm not even gonna try to say his last name but i do like him and once again summer league is going to be very important because we get to see Rokas and luca vendoza and let's not forget evan fonier at times they will have him running sort of a point forward position because he could do that so at the end of the day the knicks do have a lot to kind of mask kimball walker especially defensively in case his left knee begins to act up again but at the end of the day it's not that much of a gamble because at the price point we got him at that's pretty much where we lucked up at because for okc to keep him at that 36 million dollar a year he's not going to produce the output to justify that money but for us he's definitely worth the gamble so Darius Miles and Q Rich had sat down with Jamal Crawford and they reflected back on the 2007-2008 New York Knicks and remember those were the Isaiah Thomas years pretty much the last year of that remember the squad had Ronaldo Balkman Q Rich was also on that squad Marbury David Lee Eddie Curry of course Crawford and remember bum ass Jerome James who just basically got paid and never did shit but anyway they reflected and talked about Zebo zach randolph how much he hated losing and how hilarious he was and some of the trolling shit that he did and you guys check out what they had to say i want to talk about something that i know we can talk hours about but we ain't gonna go that long i want to talk about you and i's new york knicks era i tell people all the time Dude. listen i tell people all the time shout out ben lyons he gonna be focusing on this this is my man one of the <laughs> biggest knicks fans ever I tell them all the time, we could, it's so many different of us that we could write whole books. New York Times, number one bestsellers without a shadow of a doubt. We could have a movie just on 
any one of the years you want to put up. We can just focus on that year hey. and do a series, bro. Has, like it's, I, I, has, it has, so many has stories. There ever has that ever been? I know for me, I can't I can't look at my career and say I have a crazier capsule than my time with the Knicks. No. If you look no. from start to finish, your time with the Knicks no. has there been a crazier. And I mean, no. I'm not. I don't mean when I uh, Knicks fans when I say I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it just in every which oh, way it's crazy. Like <laughs> I got so much love for New York in the, in the time, like from my best homeboys and everything. Like people think it's worse than it is because we was losing, but like you, you, you can you can attest that we was all solid. We had a great time. <laughs> we had a good oh, time. we had a great too. In my 20 years in the NBA, in that five year span with New York, bro. It's not even close. Like, it was... Bro, do you remember the time when we lost a game we should have won and Isaiah was walking home in the snow from the airport? Hey, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, that is nuts. Isaiah Thomas walking in the snow from the airport. God damn. Imagine Isaiah Thomas walking on the Van Wick. You could be like, yo, Isaiah, what's up with you, man? You're walking with your head down and that sadistic smile that you got. What you doing in Southside Jamaica, man? Hey, look, this is what I remember. This is a funny, this, you know, Nate, Nate always at the center of something happening funny. Because, you know, we all, you know how it is. Like, so we definitely didn't, at this point, we the bad news bears, my boy. You know how they say a, a bad team going to find a way to lose. We found a way to lose yep. some game we weren't supposed to lose. And, you know. Hell yeah, man. They definitely found ways to lose games on purpose. I remember playing poker one time, and they was winning against the Clippers. I just stopped looking for a second. There wasn't that much time left in the game, and they still ended up losing. But Isaiah Thomas, man, back to him walking in the snow. Isaiah Thomas puts on this great face with his laugh and his smile, but inside, that's a crazy motherfucker, man. He was one of them people, man. He didn't lose and wasn't what, like, he ain't built that way, and, like, he would be like, you know, I could see myself like him a lot of the time. You know how I used to be. We lose, huh? What? Oh, Zeke, you Zeke high. was so high. Zeke was one of those people like, better not be a pin drop on the bus playing none of that. When we do something like that, better not be one smile or crack a joke or a laugh or none of that. No none music, that. none of that. Now remember, Zebo came from the Portland Jailblazer days in his early years in the NBA with Damian Stoudemire, Rasheed Wallace. That team had a reputation. They did not fuck around at all. They basically was handing out mama's cooking left and right. You look like you want some mama's cooking. Got out None the of planes, that. you know. Everybody got the plane. Coach at the front. Zeke out the plane. He just ghosted. <laughs> I ain't even picked me at first. <laughs> we leaving up with Nate Rob. Hit him like, hey, hey, did y'all? Uh, I seen Zeke walking. Like I pulled over, asked if he wanted to ride. He just looked at me. I just pulled off slow. <laughs> hey, Q, he was walking so slow. He had, like his, he... had his suit jacket collar pulled up. Remember? <laughs> oh my god! And then I remember the next day he came to practice. And it looked like he hadn't slept from the night before, bro. It looked like he brushed his hair backwards. Like he <laughs> I said, man, my <laughs> Yo, Zebo not playing around. He don't like losing like that. If you think I'm here to play around with y'all, y'all damn on that. Zeke is going through. It looked like he brushed his hair backwards on purpose. Just to show y'all, to show all of us he wasn't playing. And he was talking like this. Three on two, two on one. Like I can't even look at y'all. Y'all disgust me. <laughs> it was <laughs> and that's why he was, I wore number 11 because of Zeke. I love Zeke man. to death. But boy, he got his message across them two days. I couldn't, I'm like, man, Straight up. Zeke ain't playing with no losing. We better win this next game. 
Damn, Zebo, we didn't know it was like that. I know the losing was bad, but damn, son. <laughs> Combing your hair backwards, giving dudes a zombie look. Oh, man. But I'll link the full conversation with Q Rich and Darius Miles with Jamal Crawford in the link below. You guys should definitely check out their show. Now, before the deadline had passed, the Knicks quickly picked up on Mitchell Robinson's fourth year team option for $1.8 million. And I remind you, even though the amount is very low, Mitchell Robinson is a second round pick. And the Knicks did have the chance to extend him, but they opted out to just pick up his fourth year option, thus making him an unrestricted free agent next off season. Now, in order for him to prove his worth, he is going to have to stay injury free this season. As we've seen last year, he played just 31 games. He first dealt with a broken hand, and then when he came back, he quickly dealt with a broken foot issue, and it was very unfortunate. It's almost very unfortunate for two reasons. One, because he could have got a possible extension by just having a good season. And number two, the NBA landscape right now, it's not hard to get a replacement center at a minimum contract. You could look at what happened to Mitch Robinson last season. The Knicks got Nerlens Noel at a minimum contract, and he basically replaced Mitch's input when Mitch went out with the injury. I mean, just look at the way championship contending teams keep switching from JaVel McGee to Dwight Howard or even DeMarcus Cousins. The landscape right now is not that crazy to get a fill-in center at a low price point. Another example could even be Andre Drummond. This guy's at the prime years of his career, and he's pretty much a top-notch center based off his skill set, but even he's getting tossed around and getting nowhere near his value in the marketplace right now. So just seeing the landscape of how it is with centers right now, Mitch is really going to have to prove his value, especially being a second-round pick. And on top of that, the Knicks gave him some stiff competition by giving Nerlens Noel a two-year deal with the third-year team option and also re-signing Taj Gibson for a vet minimum which is going to give Mitch some competition and at the same time, some backup. And you got to look at the fact that the Knicks spent the second round pick on Jericho Sims, who has a similar skill set as Mitchell Robinson. He's not seven feet, but he has more girth and he's a high flyer, just like Mitch. So knowing that all these things are hovering in the background, Mitch is really going to have to be on his grind this season. And he's going to need a little bit of luck staying away from that injury bug. The 2021 NBA draft was very interesting for a number of things. And once again, I keep saying the Knicks are hitting that sweet spot where they just going to have to start getting higher end talent around RJ and Randall. But the play in the league announcing that the play in will take place next season. A lot of teams were shifting away from their picks because a lot of these picks, especially if they're not at the top end of the draft, they're not as important especially when a lot of teams who normally don't make the playoffs see a pathway of making their season a bit more interesting and giving their fan base something to get a little bit more excited for. Because you have to remember, we're coming off the pandemic and ratings overall for almost 90% of the teams are down. So ownerships have to find new ways of keeping fans engaged and interested in the teams. And this play-in is a big meal ticket for a lot of teams to keep their seasons interested, particularly the smaller market teams. So in this draft, you've seen a lot of teams, especially in the middle of the pack, as far as like, you know, when they can pick, they were kind of falling back and selling off their picks for future assets. As I believe a lot of them are starting to check into the whole idea of the play-in because it does shake up 
an NBA team's season, especially when it comes to keeping it interesting for the fan base to stay tuned in to regular season games from the start all the way to the end, because it kind of brings up the level of importance of every single game. So in a way, this year's draft became the draft where a lot of teams basically delayed themselves from making any moves. I am not sorry for something I didn't do, and I am not sorry for the things I did do. And it seems like our beloved Knicks were no different. They were able to trade away their position to gain other assets. For example, they were able to trade one of their first round picks for a future first round pick from the Charlotte Hornets. Also, Leon Rose and the Knicks front office were not afraid to trade some of their positions to gain more assets. And at the same time, they were still able to get the guys that they were aiming for. For example, the Knicks were able to trade out of their 21st pick for the Clippers 25th pick and get a future second round pick from the Clippers while at the same time still getting Quentin Grimes, a nice defensive 3 and D guard out of Houston. And then they made the same moves in the second round by flipping the 32nd pick from OKC who have too many damn picks and they were able to finesse them and get two picks out of it, the 34th and the 36th pick. And they were able to get a Euro stash and Miles McBride at number 36. And ironically, both players will be playing in the summer league. But once again, the Knicks were able to get players that kind of fit into that Tibbs system. As when you look at both of these players' archetypes, you see certain characteristic traits that would fit into a Tibbs system. And of course, with the 58th pick, the Knicks picked Jericho Sims, an athletic high-flying center out of Texas. So the 2021 draft is basically Knicks fans' second experience with Leon Rose being the captain of the ship. And when you compare it to last year's draft, you see one thing that sticks out is that Leon Rose is using his connections and he's working out a lot of deals. He did the same thing last year and he's not afraid of moving out of his position and still getting not the best talent available, but guys that fit into the system that the Knicks are trying to run. That's one thing that I've noticed that kind of stuck out. And even though Leon Rose sometimes trades out of his position, he keeps acquiring more assets every single time. And he seems to know which teams have extra picks, particularly second round picks that they might not need anymore. Or maybe they don't value as much at the time. And they rather just use that as a throw in to move up and get a guy that they're keyed on. He seems very in tune with that. And once again, this is judging by the last two drafts that the Knicks have been in. And speaking of Leon Rose being the captain of the ship, you know, during the draft, during my live call-in show, which you guys could check out, 8th Avenue Conversations, definitely sign up for the email list so you guys could get the notifications when we're doing that live show. But I was talking to Chef, and um, he basically said something that kind of stuck out with me. He was really confused by some of the moves the Knicks were making. He was like, yo, but they got World Wide West and Leon Rose. Like, these moves are too slow and steady. And at first, it didn't really stick with me. You know, I thought about it like a day later. And I'm like, you know what? He's right. Leon Rose and World Wide West are here for direct access to the big dogs in the league. They're here to remind the superstars in the league. Oh, yeah, yeah I see you. You're doing your thing in Phoenix. Or you're doing your thing in Washington, Atlanta, Toronto, Utah. Oh, I see you out in Denver. Okay, okay. Out in Dallas. Okay. Or even out in Houston. You driving a ship out there is like you driving a Lambo. 
Well, you see me, Leon Rose, I'm here to remind you. Driving that same ship in New York, it's like sitting in the backseat of the Maybach. We got curtains. It's a totally different experience. Did you not see Amari Stoudemire? He was going to the opera. He was going to the Met Gala before NBA players were even being invited to go to the Met Gala. Once again, being a Nick, it's a totally different experience and it's one of one. And that's what Leon Rose and World Wide West is here to remind the superstars of the NBA today. Don't forget that shit. Last but not least, this is the part of the NBA offseason where a lot of us tend to take a break from the league. We tend to relax, especially after the free agency period and the NBA draft. But the Knicks 2021 Summer League team is really going to be worth watching this year due to the fact that seven out of the 15 players can have a big impact on the final roster and can also contribute in the Knicks having a deep depth chart at almost every position. And when I say seven out of the 15 guys, I'm excluding Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is going to make a return in this year's summer league, but I'm excluding him. So there's definitely a good amount of guys worth paying attention to. And this is kind of surprising due to the fact that we finished as a fourth seed. And also during the draft, we kind of traded down to get other picks. But yeah, we still ended up with a very interesting summer league roster, especially with two Euro stashes and a bunch of guards that definitely could fit Tibbs' system. And to all you Frank Nilakina stands that was in the comments of the last video I made, it's definitely not surprising that he's off the roster, especially due to the fact that the Knicks, in between the first round and second round, drafted a bunch of guards, that it was highly unlikely that he'll make a return to the roster. And the evidence is going to show it wasn't enough. So before I get into the details of the roster, let's take a look at the schedule. The Knicks will play the Raptors on August 8th at 4.30, then Wednesday, August 10th versus the Lakers at 10 p.m., then Friday, August 13th versus Detroit, then Saturday, August 14th at 8 p.m. versus the Cavs. And then they'll kind of have like a playoff, I guess, knockout round either on the 16th or the 17th of August. So it'll be a quick little summer league, especially due to the fact that the NBA offseason is going to have a quick turnaround as they're trying to start up next season right on time. So training camp isn't that far along. I believe it's sometime in September. So we're not that far off from the season actually starting back up again. So for those of you watching the video version, I'm going to pull up the lineup right here. And then we'll start with Quentin Grimes. Of course, the Knicks traded down to the 25th pick to pick this guy. He's a six foot five guard out of the University of Houston. He's a three and D guy. And you'll notice this trend throughout some of the younger plays the Knicks picked in this year's draft. They tend to fit in Tibbs' system. He's a hard-nosed defender, but he needs to improve in his handles, and he also needs to remain consistent in his spot-up shooting, especially from three. But at the end of the day, he could be a nice combination with RJ Barrett at the perimeter, especially in today's league with all these dynamic guards. Next up is Tyler Hall, a guard out of Montana State. He went undrafted in 2019, and he's on and off with the Westchester Knicks. So he'll be trying to definitely make this roster or continue his journeyman experience through the professional ranks. But these 2019-2020 undrafted guys, I'm wondering what's been their experience, especially due to the fact that the pandemic happened, there being no summer league. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of delays in the G League starting up or just overall the operations. 
I'm wondering how they're panning out because there has to be a new level of degree of difficulty of just trying to make these rosters, especially dealing with the league going through an influx with the scheduling the past two seasons. Next up is Ruckus, and I'm not even going to try to attempt to say his last name, but he's definitely a Euro stash, and he's one of the draft picks that we got out of OKC when we traded the 32nd pick. We got the 34th and the 36th pick, and we selected him with one of the picks. Of course, he's 20 years old. He's a six foot four point guard. And right now he's transitioning from playing from the Lithuanian league into the Spanish league, which is the most difficult league overseas. So it'll be interesting throughout the year to pay attention to how he's making that transition. But he's definitely a stash for right now because he can't play on our roster right away, I believe for another year. But he definitely got some game. He definitely got some game. He got he got like Jason Kidd handles. He has good vision, but when he attacks the rim, which he does fearlessly, he needs to practice his finishing. But overall, this was an interesting stash pick because I think the play for the Knicks here is to see how he makes that transition from the Lithuanian league into the Spanish league, which once again is the toughest league on, a, on the international level. Now, next up is Kevin Knox. He's on the final year of his rookie scale contract. And for Kevin Knox, his experience in the NBA has been very unique because the Knicks were going through a transition period, especially in the front office. But he has played for three different head coaches in which all three of them were reluctant to give him starter minutes or just decent minutes in general, which is a major kind of red flag right there. But this season, he's going to have to fight against players that were paid an exorbitant amount of money over him, like Evan Fonier and Alec Burks. So you already know how the politics with guys getting paid big money plays out. They tend to get the minutes, as we can see how it played out with Gordon Hayward when he was in the Boston Celtics uniform. Even though he was hurt because he was getting paid a lot of money, he had to play. So Kevin Knox has an uphill battle in order to get minutes. And I'm not surprised he asked to play in this year's summer league, even though he's entering his fourth year. And keep in mind, this current Knicks regime in the front office did not draft him. So they're not going to be as obligated to put in time and resources into Knox. Next up is Miles McBride. Once again, the Knicks been following a theme here, drafting guards that can defend. Now with McBride here, he makes great passes in transition, sort of like Frank Nilakina. He's not a floor general or off rip. He has the ball in his hands. He's going to find a passer. He's more of a guy that when he's making a cut, he's a good passer in that moment right there where he could find another guy open for a shot. So he's definitely a great passer in transition. He's also great at defending off screens, sort of like Drew Holiday. As you can see, he's always fighting through the screen, especially during the NBA Finals. He's sort of like that. And McBride also likes to shoot in motion off of screens in transition. He loves to shoot pull-ups. So as you can see, the Knicks continue their theme of drafting two-way guards. Next up is the center, Justin Payton. He was a 16th overall pick by the Chicago Bulls in 2017. So far, he's been a G League journeyman, and he plays for the Westchester Knicks. So he'll be fighting with Jericho Sims, which I'll cover in a minute, as far as fighting for minutes during the summer league. Next up is one of the fan favorites, and of course, that'll be Emmanuel Quickly, and this will be his first summer league campaign ever. So he has an opportunity now to practice his offseason moves, he definitely was practicing with Team USA before they went out to the Olympics. So that was great for him. 
so we get to see some of the improvements he made playing with a lot of those all-star players and also emmanuel quickly has a chance to practice some of his offensive moves that the league now has sort of tweaked because there's some things that he does where he can't draw the fouls the same way there will now be an offensive fouls the moves i'm talking about is sometimes when he goes in the paint he looks at the guys behind him sort of like how trey young does and he stops and kind of jumps into them he can no longer do that so he's gonna have to work out a new move to replace that perhaps to get to the free throw line but overall last year Emmanuel's thrown in into the nba without any summer league or barely enough practices or preseason and it was impressive to see the transition that he made and it'll be very interesting to see what transitions he makes this offseason while having a full number of reps underneath him especially at the pro level next up is Quentin rose a 2020 undrafted forward he signed with the westchester knicks in march of 2021 and unfortunate for him he's part of that 2020 class where the league was going through the pandemic and i'm pretty sure it was hard for him to get back on track especially being an undrafted player the number of reps and programs that were available to help him get up to the next level but he is an athletic point forward he's a good defender but offensively sometimes he's all over the place he has to improve on the consistency of his shooting his finishing at the rim is questionable and also he's gonna have to improve on his shot selection it seems like most of those troubles come from him not getting enough games in on a professional level and that may be due to the fact that he's a 2020 undrafted player once again going through that pandemic created a huge gray area for players of that class so hopefully for him he gets more game reps and that improves over time next up is wayne selden he's a 3 and d guard 2016 undrafted player He's pretty much a journeyman has been on a few NBA 10 day contracts for the Pelicans, the Grizzlies. He actually played in Israel and he actually had a game, believe it or not, in the NBA where he dropped 31 points against the Pelicans. But mainly he's a 3 and D player with a large wingspan who has good defensive techniques, does not get into foul trouble and moves his feet pretty well to defend, even though he's not super athletic or has a quick burst or first step which on the offensive end leads him to sometimes not being able to finish at the rim or blowing by his defenders. But you can see a continuing theme here where the Knicks are getting players that have good defensive principles. And you can see it play out from the starting 15 all the way to the Westchester Knicks and the guys that they put in to be part of this summer league team. Okay, next up is Amir Sims, a 2021 undrafted player. The Knicks signed him to a training camp deal. He is a power four, six foot eight, 245 pounds. He's a solid rebounder and he could hit open threes. And he's also a good passer. So you'll be definitely competing with Jericho Sims and Justin Payton for minutes at power forward and center. Next up is the Knicks 58th overall pick, Jericho Sims, a six foot 10 center out of Texas. Super athletic and he's definitely a high flyer, dunker. I mean, he's a guy that the garden would really like. He's a hustler. An energizer he does all the dirty work and him being in texas for all four years helped them develop so on the summer league roster he will be competing with amir sims and tyler payton for minutes at the center and power forward position now even though he's six foot ten he has a nice wingspan and he has hops man i believe he broke the record in the combine as far as vertical leap so with that vertical leap he is a rim protector and he plays a lot bigger than his six foot ten frame 
So if he performs well in the summer league, he will have stiff competition with Mitch, Noel, and Obi Toppin at the power forward position. Next up, making his summer league debut is Obi Toppin, aka Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now the summer league this year is going to serve for a nice measuring stick to see how well he has developed his three-point shot. As the Knicks right now, they're going to need a stretch four at some point on this roster because we've seen last year in the playoffs against the Hawks, it was a weak point because how we had a stretch four, we could have played Randall at center, thus pulling Capella out of the paint. But at the time, of course, we didn't have no player of that caliber and Obi is not well polished enough to even step in at that key moment and make that happen, especially with no summer league and barely any preseason. But with the Hawks, he did play solid minutes in the playoffs. He had a stretch, I believe, either in games four or three, where he came in off the bench and he hit a couple of threes. He had a nice couple of transition points and he played solid defense. So he showed spurts of what he could be. And just looking at his shots from last season, he shot 30% from three, which can improve. So it was nice to see him hit a couple of knockdown threes last year which we didn't even know he really had that in his arsenal. And with him coming off practicing with Team USA going into Summer League, we should be getting a glimpse of a much improved and more confident Obi Toppin. Next up is Reed Travis, a 2019 undrafted power forward out of Kentucky. Of course, that Kentucky connection, you know it's got to be on this roster. But he's 6'8", 240, and he's played professionally in Japan. He's a solid, strong, stocky player, not athletic at all, and he's a good finisher around the rim, especially in the low post. But unfortunately for him, he needs an outside shot, and he doesn't get too many blocks and steals. And normally, athleticism tends to get you those steals and blocks. Overall, he seems like a low post, slow tempo, old school player. And I'm telling you, that Kentucky connection goes a long way, boy. It's getting guys experience and paid as this position in my opinion seems like it's a favor for a favor my guy needs experience just before he goes overseas it sounds like this to me but it is what it is next up is a player that a lot of knicks fans should pay very close attention to and that's luca baldoza the knicks signed him back in may and he is a 2017 undrafted player out of Argentina. He's 25 years old, and the Knicks have him under a four-year, $13.6 million deal with the first year guaranteed and the last three years partially guaranteed. And the reason why I believe the Knicks picked him up is that he has shown improvement by leading his team to winning the championship in Spain while being the best player on the floor. So the Knicks international scouts were right on that as that championship game made a lot of noise because he ended up hitting the game winning shot. So just him showing improvements made from 2017 till now was enough for him to be on scouts radar and shout out to the Knicks for quickly acting on it. And keep in mind, he is a guard that can play both point guard and shooting guard at six foot three. He sort of has a Ginobili type game. He's not afraid to get a little fancy on the offensive end, especially with the dribbling and the turnaround jump shots. And he's very bold for attacking the rim the way he does. There's a lot of confidence oozing out of his game. Because some of the moves he pulls, you have to have complete confidence in yourself. I mean, this guy is doing turnaround, fadeaway step backs from three. So definitely, he's one of the seven players I was referring to to be on your radar for Summer League. And next up on the Summer League roster is MJ Walker a 2021 6'5 undrafted forward. He is a 3 and D guy who has good skills offensively on the move, 
but at times struggles with consistent shooting. And once again, this is a theme you're going to see with a lot of players that were drafted in 2020 and 2021, especially with the league kind of going through their flux with the scheduling. I mean, he has good skills offensively, but not on the move. And you could just tell he hasn't had enough experience on the pro level as far as games played. Because remember, these guys got to adjust their games according to the professional level, which sometimes it might be faster than what they're used to playing or there's certain adjustments or certain details that they have to pay much more close attention to. And just looking at MJ Walker, he's going to have to improve on his ball handling. And they question if he can guard quicker players on the pro level. But once again, overall, mostly in this roster, you see consistency with the Knicks selecting 3 and D guys or just two-way players, especially to guard the perimeter. But once again, I'm going to mention the seven key players to pay attention to during Summer League, and that is Quentin Grimes, Ruckus, aka I don't know how to say his last name because that shit is just too crazy, Miles McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, and Luca Veldoza. Those are the seven players that clearly should be on everyone's radar, and we should be looking at their performances closely. You guys enjoy the Summer League games, and don't forget to check out the channel playlist, as there's other shows you guys could check out, especially pertaining to things around the league, and also Chopping the Sticks. That's a show for you guys to hit me up. I'm pretty sure some of you guys are on 2K or FIFA or other games. We could chop it up about culture, music, fashion, tech, business, sort of like barbershop talk, and I'll feature it on the channel. Just hit up the Discord group chat if you're interested. So you guys definitely stay safe in these Rona streets. Until next time, peace.